Oh, 
control and cultivate my heart and soul. Have your way. Have your way.
Psalms 139.5. You squeeze me in from behind and in front. You place your hand on me. Your knowledge is beyond our comprehension. so far beyond us, Lord. How are we even able to fathom you? But where can we go? Where can we go away from your spirit? Where could I flee? And escape your presence. if we ascend up into the heavens you're there and if we sprawl out in Sheol there you'll be too and if I was to fly away On the wings of the dawn, and I had to settle down on the other side of the sea. Your gentle hand. down and guide us and your right hand bring us comfort and if I were to say It looks like a certainty that certainly darkness is trying to cover me. And the light will turn to night all around me. Even this darkness not too dark for you to see and the night is as bright as the day is the morning bright is the day breaking breaking through 
to worship you and you wove us together in our mother's womb and my soul will give you thanks because of your deeds who is amazing you're the mighty one
denial Just like the Nile The fertile crescent Nile I will praise the Lord at all times. My mouth will continually praise him. I will boast in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Praise his name together. I sought the Lord's help, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. Those that look to the Lord, that look to him for help are happy, and their faces are not ashamed. The oppressed man, he cried out, and the Lord heard. And he saved him from all of his troubles. The Lord's angel camps around Lord's loyal followers and delivers them taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are you saints of the living God. Blessed are you, blessed are you that take your shelter in the Lord. We take our shelter in you, Father. Blessed are you, sons and daughters of the Lord. Lord. 
Since we began, a couple of verses have been really poignantly being highlighted. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. But towards the daybreak, he went to them, walking over the waves. Matthew 14, 25, but towards the daybreak, he went to them. Walking over the waves. Luke 1, 7 8. Through the tender compassion of our God, through which the daybreak from on high will come to us. of the day breaking it's from seeing the, the day breaking from that position he comes it's from that place it's triumph to walk over the waves the things that are besetting us the afflictions, the difficulties the things that we go through so out of the darkness into the place we've been experiencing here, the day breaking upon us. The day breaking upon us, which gives us the victory in partnership with the Lord to walk over the waves. Not to try to analyze the waves or manage the waves, but to walk, to walk on the high places, 
to sell, to be above the things, the thorn, to triumph over the thorns, to not be dragged down into the minutia and dragged down into the sea. Like Peter, eyes looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith, and looking up, and out of the daybreak, the turmoil, the affliction, the problems, they're not running us, walking above them. This is our destiny, saints. Above the storm. Not directing us, not making us, not controlling us, not us analyzing it, not us measuring it. Walking above it. Walking like He is. The same Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is our privilege. Shadows of the dawn. 
Holy Spirit, he just he keeps saying this to me over and over, and he says um, that he wants me to ask you, uh, ask you a question. Um, and here it goes. Will you acknowledge that daybreak is your reality? Will you acknowledge that daybreak is your reality? Listen to a couple, just listen to a couple more of it related to daybreak in Genesis uh, 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there he wrestled a man with him until, until the day breaks, until the day broke. Listen to this one, Exodus 14, 27. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned its strength when the day broke. And the Egyptians fled against it. And Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Now, you don't have to do this, but if you want to make like a public stand for this, just come forward. Just as an acknowledgement, I want, I'm saying, I want to answer to this because the Holy Spirit's like, give them an opportunity uh, to answer, to answer to reality. We've interpreted reality through so many different ways. We've had our own interpretation of reality. We've said that reality is subcultures, church culture, um, the life that we thought we wanted, all these different realms, ideas of reality. The Lord said, do you acknowledge or will you acknowledge that daybreak is your reality? It's your reality. It's your reality on the back side of the wrestling. The wrestling doesn't have to be you don't need God to wrestle with you and you wrestle with God. You don't have to be a wrestling match anymore. Why? You don't have to. There doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be a conflict between him and you anymore. It's, it's a rest. A rest in the reality of the one. The one who has ordained for you a reality of the breaking of the day. See, I've found in this work, in my years, that the interpretation gets so skewed in so many of our minds and heart. The interpretation gets off. And we set these other faults or temporal or other realities, and we let them control us, and they let us work around them. And then yet the Lord's like, no, this is the reality of, of for you. There's no more wrestling. It has to be done the price has been paid. So, in the reality of the day breaking, the Egyptians will flee. <laughs> it's a confession, really, of the depths of our heart. It says, "Yeah, but, 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 look at your circumstance." Da, 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 da. It's like that's not my reality. Yeah, but everything looks completely unstable in the natural dimensional life. That's not my reality. That's not where I'm hanging out at. 
I've decided to make my reality the breaking of the day and the, the dawn of two dawns with the looking through at the glory and the majesty of the light of God radiating through me. Acts 27 to 29, in fearing lest rough places we may fall. They were fearing lest rough places they may fall. Out of the stern we cast four anchors, wishing for the day to break. On the back end of all adversity and affliction, everything that you've been through, we've all gone through. I'm telling you from the Lord, the more we adhere to the reality that our reality is the breaking of the day. God brings heaven to earth faster than anything you'll ever see. It's a belief, it's a trust in him. It's a simple rest. It's a simple confidence in the goodness and the greatness of our Lord. It's not analyzed, it's not measured. It's just a knowing. It's a deep resonation of, of that the work is done. It's a deep confidence in him and the goodness of who he is as our father. A father that delights in us and knows us and longs for us. Is bearing witness with us. And created us this way that light would break forth, that light would sob. That doctor's report is not your reality. That's told you that you're not going to make it, you can't get up. There's no hope for your tomorrow. It's not your reality. The breaking of the day. The light of God's glory breaks through and penetrates in and through you. This life of God in the soul, in our soul, shining, radiating out. And it's from this that everything happens. I think we've been confused about this. I, I, most, I have. Wait a minute. It's just connecting to him and he sobs things and he does things and he goes to work and he's my father's always working, Jesus said. Always healing, always changing everything. Looking unto him. You know. Will you acknowledge that the daybreak is your reality? Yes. 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 Yes! All the glory, all the glory! All the glory! Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. We can sing the songs of Zion. says, behold, I'm always doing a new thing. It's not an old thing. It's not a recapitulated thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing right now. Can we give up some of our own interpretations of life? I mean, can we just 
take some of our interpretations of judgments that we've made and we'll just throw them out. Uh, tried to lock us down and close us in and we just say, hey, you know, whatever, whatever, man. I'm seeking the Prince of Peace. That's, he's my life. He's my love. He's my all. Things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. And things that we thought were dead breathing in life again you cause your sun to shine on darkest nights for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. Our, our hearts adore. Jesus, we love
Jesus have found their hope. The orphans now have a home, and all that was lost has found its place in you.
Hudson door Hearts and Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the things have grown 
Holy Spirit is brooding. Receive this from the Lord, if you will. A drop of oil on your head of the oil of gladness. That the oil of gladness would just penetrate your very being. Just tell me, like, I'm going to put this oil of gladness on my people. Like Jesus looking looking ahead without shame to the joy that's set before him. Oil of gladness. Not sadness or madness. Gladness. Let the oil flow. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit. as the day approaches. Amen. Take a deep breath for a new day. I just wanted to share um, something. I felt like the Lord wants me to share this. This is a kind of related to where we are and what this... this um, picture of daybreak was about a year ago, I drew in a notebook. I don't have that notebook with me, but I drew this picture of us worshiping from the top of a vast mountain. This mountain was, if you've ever seen pictures of, or photos taken from a plane window, um, well above the clouds, 
and you see the, the sun rising in the distance or setting, you know, those kind of with the, with the way the clouds are illuminated. So this picture was at the top, us at the top of this mountain that was vastly above the clouds. And the day is breaking. The sun is rising there in the distance on the horizon. And the Lord is seated up there on his throne. And there we are at the top of this mountain in worship. Um, and I've, I've, I've often thought about that and as part of, as in some way the world, part of the world is going further into darkness, there's a sunset on the other side of the world, isn't there? So for us, the day has broken. About three weeks ago, I had an experience um, on the day after Yom Kippur, I was taken up high into the heavens, but I kept going higher than, than I imagined or I anticipated, higher and higher and higher, high above the stars, and found myself at the top of this mountain um, in the form of an eagle. And that picture turned into being seated at the Lord's feet as a small child, just being simply delighted in him. Mm. Simply laughing at his presence and at who he is and him being delighted in me. And then the picture changed to being facing outwards and seeing that out of this place, all of the problems, all of the things in the natural that were problems, difficulties, challenges, just solutions would just flow out of that place in the right timing, in the right way, without any effort on my part. So it was this place of rest. And so that's, that is where, that is the place that we have a right to be as sons of God. That is our rightful inheritance. So if you, if you have difficulty finding at that place, you can, you can use other people's experiences. My experiences, these pictures, look for them, see them, imagine taking that place and, and worshiping him in that. That's all. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Is it the uh, video? piggybacking off of Pete there. That uh, passage, I believe he's referenced, uh, Job 39, 26 uh, through 30. It is by understanding that the hawk soars and spreads its wings towards the south. It is at your command that the eagle soars and builds its nest on high. 
it lives on a rock and spends the night there on a rocky crag and a fortress. From there it spots its prey. And its eyes gaze intently from a distance. And its young ones devour the blood. And where the dead carcasses are, there it is. If you look at that in the, in the context of, let's see here. Well, the idea there is, is that when you're in a lofty place in the heavens, um, in a place where, like we're experiencing this morning, where the day breaks, your vision and your ability to see the nature of what our enemy is promulgating or trying to bring to pass, you can see it from afar, and then you can uh, deal with the situation because you have vision from a heightened place. And that vision is, like Pete said, it's out of a place of delight as a child, and, and so that you can literally see. You know, thought a lot about this, and uh, it, you know, as we began to jump into our, our text this morning, about the concept that the relating of the Godhead to us as we relate to him, and I think some of you heard me say this last week, that God himself, loving himself through us, his efficacious love towards himself that is flowing from himself through ourselves back to him, that this was the nature in which God had designed us. The Lord had designed us in such a way that we were receive that love and that light transferal through ourselves by delighting in him and being delighted in by him back to him. And if you were to think of, like, because a lot of people are looking for the silver bullet, like, if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, that will happen. This is how I'll reach my destiny. This is how I'm going to reach into that reality or that good life or that life that we're looking for. And I'll find it da, 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 a million ways, right? And then the Lord has designed us, though. He's created us in such a way that he himself is our life. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that was just such a foreign concept to me because and analysis and measuring and trying to figure things out with the, uh, our minds or even our emotions, our heart. And then God made us to be so integrated with him that he would um, have his life put in us and it would just flow through us. So anything that is hindering that life or that flow through, is actually stopping the movement of what could be or should be or will be a part of your experience. It's, it's just a different concept. That that is the way that you and I as a human being were made to actually live. And so, you know, this manipulation and control stuff that goes on and, and working these systems to try to get that life and the Lord's like, no, you know, listen, I want to give you this. I'll give you a life, a life that I flow through you and then um, move through you. And so, so it's almost like it would be like this. It would be effortless. And I believe that that's why Jesus said, my father's always working. 
his life, his light of the Father was just shining and radiating out of him, and it was causing things to happen around him without um, him expending necessary energy to bring those things to pass. The energy and the very life, the power of the Lord was operating through him to bring those things to pass. Um, almost in, in such, such a dramatic or dynamic way that there was, it's like his being, and, and this is meant to be our same life, was uh, transforming everything around him almost in a sense without, again, without an effort without even uh, trying or anything. Um, he was so in one with the Father, so one with him that it just trans, transacted business all around him. So all the, all the kingdom business and all the reality of life around us is related to this light, actually, of his own glory operating through us. You know, for from him and through him and to him be the glory. Mm. And so it's something I think in this, and we're going to jump into this. Let's go to Amos 9, 9 from last week and uh, pick up and then we'll do a little bit more of extrapolation of, um, of the 318 from last week. And then I'll, I'll uh, do a little background and, you know, catch you up at what happened last week and then, We'll, pre we'll press in more into uh, this week and how the Holy Spirit was really speaking uh, in our service during the worship. Anybody ever heard of Amos 9-11? It's, it's a really popular verse among the end time moves, you know, the raising up of the tabernacle of David right, and the booth of David, and we've heard a lot of material on that, but um, it was interesting last week because the Lord was uh, presumptive to Amos 9-11, uh, started to identify some things out of that, and, I, and I'm going to snapshot this verse, and we'll back up a little bit, give a little context, and then uh, move forward, but I had looked down, and I believe Stephen was playing a song in a sense of and it said we'll fa uh, fall down or uh, to come down. And I, I looked down at this text, and it was, it was highlighted to me. Uh, for look, uh, Amos 9, 9, for look, I'm giving a command. My command is this. I'm going to shake the family of Israel together with all of the nations. Now, interestingly enough, that shaking is happening, is it not? And yet I got into a very, um, let's say, Micro-narrative view, is that the right word? Uh, we got into a very internalized aspect last week and how this relates to us, and that seemed to be the import of the word, and I think it's, we're going to extrapolate on that again today. But in the context here of the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a community, saying that, look, I want you to have an understanding of what is going on in Israel right now proper. I, I want to uh, send you into a snapshot here in Amos so that you can have a, I believe, a meta-narrative to co-locate yourself within the narrative of the Lord, the structure of the Lord that is occurring in the nations as it is right now. And so down he comes, you know, with the word of the Lord into the context of, of the Israel of God here and certainly the Israel of God on a 
national and a multinational and in an international global scale. And I believe it is a now word from the Lord. Anything that's done here, I believe you're going to get a now word. This is what is happening. Um, and so the, because the Lord is speaking right now, look, I take a chance to um, examine this situation uh, in the nations right now. Look at it. It's I who am giving this command. It's the Lord that's moving. I am, my purpose is to shake the family of Israel. And I'm not just shaking them, I'm going to shake every other nation with them. And I was watching one of the uh, World Cups this last week. And, um, well, it's a rugby World Cup. I was watching that, and you know, they, they're taking in the stadium in France at the Rugby World Cup, and they're praying of, and taking time of silence for Israel. You know, and that it, it, they didn't, and I appreciate whoever is managing that whole thing, that they didn't just go after, like, they did say some words that were like, maybe a little of a negative slant towards Israel, but for the most part, it was, it was a clean comment. Um, let's take a time of silence. So you've, you've got, you know, that stadium in France adhering to, hey, let's take a moment to pray or to look at what is happening in Israel. So the nations are looking. Uh, the people are looking all over the world, seeing a conflict that is occurring. And um, I haven't really watched the news at all, so I don't even know what's going on myself. I felt like the Lord's like, I want you to stay out of it because I don't want it to color your prophetic material that I'm going to give you so you can give a clear word uh, in your generation. So I've just pulled myself out of it, knowing that there's been some things going on as far as a war or a, a conflict. I know that Hamas is involved. That's probably the limit of my information that I know. I've not seen any news. So when the Lord brought this word, I said, it's the word of the Lord. And it lets me know that, and hopefully that you can see that. I'm going to shake the family. I'm shaking my families. Uh, uh, I'm shaking the people of Israel. I'm doing this together with the nations. And it will resemble uh, a sieve being shaken. I don't know if I represented this correctly last week, because a sieve is sort of like a screen. Um, it, it can get down into... We had sieves in the military, and so we, they would come down in like a funnel section, and it would have a little small screen. But that screen could be, you know, this big. If you're familiar with like a colander that you've uh, put flour in before, I don't know some of you ladies, I remember growing up with that, when mom putting flour in, and then out comes this really refined uh, powdery flour, right? Um, that's, that screen is what is called a sieve, and it's to hold back particles or things that would be, you know, uh, interfere with the making or um, the purity of what is coming through. So it's, it, it's going to resemble a sieve uh, that's being shaken. And you've, I don't know if you've seen an agricultural worse, but they have these like in hoppers that are put inside of like combines and things that'll they'll move real fast like this, and they're um, ferreting out, you know, different parts that are coming into the, uh, the combine. So it's, that is the idea here, is something that is um, refining. So that, he says, not even a pebble will fall to the ground. I'm wanting this refuse and 
this uh, particulated matter that doesn't, isn't supposed to be a part of this um, clarity or purity. I want it to remain here. I don't want it coming through. And so I'm, it's going to resemble that. It, so when we say resemble something, it doesn't necessarily mean it is that, but it kind of gets us into a, a metaphoric picture that helps us to maybe understand a little bit of how the Lord is bringing a shaking in our generation. And I like to kind of think of it like this is the, the picture that we had. I don't know if that was the same Sunday or the Sunday before he said, I want to remove the entraining agents. And, and I said, Lord, why would you take the entraining agents out? That's what they blow into concrete that makes it a better foundation. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. He's, and so a picture comes into my mind's eye while I'm up here worshiping the Lord, and, and he shows me like a human cellular structure of a body. And he shows me like the muscular system and something dark inside the muscular system. And he's like, I want to take the darkness out of those systems in, inside the body, and, but in particularly the soul, but, but in the body, I, even in the physical body, I want to take these things that you have placed your trust in that is not my very own life, my, that I'm not your life source. And I confess that coffee had been ours. <laughs> and I'm so thankful to be done with it even though I was in the fetal position multiple times for a week after we came off of it. <laughs> Literally, like, crawled up in the bed, like, I'm not going to make it, you know. It's a bad addiction. I had no idea. But seven days a week for seven years, probably, I had a cup of coffee. And I'm not saying you can't drink coffee or something like that. Please don't do that to me. And no judgment on anybody that has a cup of coffee. But we have things in our life maybe that become uh, these entraining agents, and the Lord is like, I believe what he's, it, it would be like this. I'm wanting to blow light into your being. And where you adhere to other uh, particulated matter, even in the material realm, that you place a, some sort of common trust into to support your uh, livelihood or your mindset or whatever it may be. It could be uh, media. Um, it could be whatever, I and mean, it's not my place to say, and I'm not up here, I'm not a sin inspector. I, you, if you ever hear that from me, just hogtie me and throw me out in the trap. You know, I'm just kidding, but I mean, don't put up with that from a preacher that does sin inspection on people. Do not put up with that. That's not a gospel-centered uh, uh, preacher. We're to point to the Lord and uh, point to Jesus and what he's done, and that's where the transformation happens However, the Lord's wanting to blow, I believe, by the wind of his spirit and by the light of his life, of his own light, of his life, into us. And so when we say this metaphoric uh, sieve is, is a, I'm wanting to blow light through you. I want to bring something into your being. I want to give you something. But the Lord is really interesting because he works, he works like this, and if you know him, you get to know the Lord. Um, he won't force or impose his will on you. He won't even tell you, he won't even tell you that you should or shouldn't do things. Uh, he won't if, if you're unwilling to listen. He doesn't come around manipulating us and trying to get us into his like uh, on his side or something like that. I mean, he's the guy that says, are you guys going to go away too? When he says, what? 
eat my flesh, drink my blood with no commentary? <laughs> like, Lord, are you a cannibal? Are we supposed to accept this kind of material? Gets a whip out and doesn't, hey guys, you probably shouldn't have been doing this in, in my father's house. And let me tell you why, that's not a good practice. No, no commentary. The Lord comes to us, um, and it, he's not like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, you've heard the preacher say, you know, he's a fin of mine to reveal the heart. And I, I don't believe that a, a lot of us, ones that believe, uh, are believers of the Lord, are doing these venial gross sins either. And I think that that's why he's saying here in Amos 9.9, it's, it's at a sieve level. It's down at this holly refinement. It's, it's the thing that we're not thinking about. It, it's the thing that's not been exposed. It's the thing that, that he's wanting to put attention on that maybe hasn't grabbed a hold of us yet. It's, it's the places maybe that we can't see. And I, I said this a number of weeks ago, it may be the place where you're bristling. Anybody know what that is? Someone says something, they have to ease their way just to talk to you, just the slightest way. Oh, I can't really talk to them about that. Do you know what I mean? Everybody knows what I mean. <laughs> Everybody knows. They know either they're on one side of that or they've been the other one. You know, if someone, if people are constantly having to apologize to you, you might want to check yourself. Not be like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, y'all should apologize to me. You might want to check what kind of person you're coming off as. Because <laughs> a lot of people is like, good Christian people have to apologize all the time because that doggone person keeps acting like that. It's probably more than likely in the nature of a sieve, it's the things we can't see. It's not the very first thing that's coming to your mind or your heart or your, your own thought processes. And this is why we need one another. So don't, don't forsake the assembling of yourself as some have. As you see the day approaching, but encourage one another daily as you see that day uh, coming forth. Why? Because the Lord is, you know, rubbing off the rough edges, so to speak, right? He's taking us through the sieve. Why? I'm shaking my family. I'm shaking the nations. And, you know, I think a lot of us think, well, yeah, I mean, he's shaking Hamas or he's shaking that, those secular Jews or he's shaking those religious Jews, but certainly not me. You know what I mean? Yes, us. Yeah, the Israel of God, <laughs> the true Israelite, the true Hebrew. You know, he's working his, his word through us. And so this is in the context, though, and I... Back you out just a little bit of why you're going through what you're going through and what we experience in worship this morning. When you feel that withdrawal where the Lord's not right, right off the front end presenting and, oh, I mean, everybody feels that. I just, oh, we need you so bad. Just like, oh, please come, please, please, please show up. He's like, I'll just wait a minute. I'm just going to wait a minute. I'm going to run a backdraft on this thing. I'm just going to hold it back just to let you know, just to let you know the difference between not me and me, <laughs> you know. And then we're all like, oh, you know, you know, 
hey, God, you're God, and, you know, I really like you, and thank you for showing up. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Why? Um, because in the context here of what, what is happening is, and what we are, I believe, was experiencing, running through the sieve of, I trust you. It doesn't look like you're going to show up. Where are you at? I feel a vacant. Um, I feel abandoned. Do you trust me? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm your life. I'm your hope. I'm your joy. I need you. You're my very own stuff. I can't do anything apart from you. Oh, good, good, good. That's, that's what I thought, you know. <laughs> Thank God you're, you know, you're here. Okay. You're, uh, I've always been here. So, why? Because I'm going to restore, speaking of the Lord, in that day will be the restoration of David's fallen booth. Now, so, so ladies and gentlemen, sons and daughters of the king, you, the royal family, the Lord's interest in this end-time event, of, you know, Maybe not right where we're at, but seven years of tribulation is forthcoming. Why? A work of restoration starting right here. It's starting in many fellowships all over the earth. A work of restoration with the sieve of the purity of the Lord in our lives, of bringing us to true holiness and righteousness in himself. Why? Unto something. Um, Stephen and I, uh, this week we ate together at Kava. Let me say, you should go eat there. If you like Middle East, is it Mediterranean food? Mediterranean? Oh my goodness, it's amazing food. It's uh, really good Mediterranean food. Not terribly expensive. I think you get a bowl for ten ninety-five or something. With the you know inflation prices today, I suppose that's just... It's good, it's good, healthy. I mean, it has some of the best braised lamb I've ever had. It's phenomenal. Just excellent taste. Fill your palate if you like that kind of thing. And, um, and he said something interesting to me, and, I, and it's really struck me. He says, you know, Carol, when we're talking about the raising up of the fallen booth of David, do you think that that's, we're just going to, like, be in survival mode and throw a bunch of, song leaders and musicians onto it and just do more of the same thing? Is that the idea of David's restoration of his fallen booth, Carol? Just throw some more music onto it and get a bunch more people together to worship the Lord? And Is that it? And I said, well, no, it's good to worship the Lord and it's good to have song leaders and it's good to have worshipers worshiping, you know, that's good. And but is it just survival? And, um, and I said, you know, you have to think about this. And I, and I just sort of to, um, to bring this restoration, I said, I believe it's a fully alive family. Fully alive in Christ. Where Jesus, what he paid for at the cross, his Christology is completely ingrained into our humanity and, and let's say our anthropology. 
the very, very nature of the, the very nature of God's divine nature is fully operational. Not just like, you know, 27% Jesus is uh, Christ's nature. Or, okay, we got 27%, you know, well, we can get by with that and let's just get on about it. Not like 48%. No, I'm talking about a full um, upload of the very divine nature of God that he put in Jesus is put in you. <laughs> Now that's restoration. Now, Paul knew it. Paul talks about it, and you've heard me talk about it a lot. But Peter spoke of it. I mean, Peter's legacy, Paul's legacy that they're leaving is, and let us not be, I don't know if this word is right, pejorative. What does that mean? Please help. I don't know this word. Does anybody know the word pejorative? What's it mean? Speaking bad of something. And in this case, I wouldn't want to, um, in the pejorative sense, speak bad of, and I think this is what's happened, or speak lightly of, or speak um, too quickly about the very nature, God's divine nature being given to man, and just sort of like slough it off as some, well, that's a great thing, now let's move on with life. Because, I mean, in some way, I feel like that that's what's happened. Okay, you got the Christ thing going, okay, we got stuff we got to do. It's like, no, 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 no. Everything's sobbed in the full Christology of God's own nature being installed into our humanity. Everything. Think about it. To have the mind of Christ in you, <laughs> to have the wisdom uh, beyond what Solomon had installed into your consciousness, to be able to make decisions that come and flow directly from the very throne of God operating through your very own life, to have God's light radiating through you and to be in a way pejorative. Um, it's like the church has spoke even bad about it. You know what that's called? It's called antichrist. When he's not the main one, when he is not the all in all, when he is not the most precious to you, us, we have spoke or thought of him pejoratively. We've thought of him less. We have minimalized him down to some kind of metaphoric concept instead of the very person of God he is. The very person of God that he has, uh, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, but also the very nature that he has uh, derived for us by an innocent man being killed at a cross for us to give us his very own life. So, you know, the, the Lord would make a command and say, I have spoken. I am going to do like a sieve. I'm going to shake Israel and the nations. Why? I'm going to shake my people because what can be shaken, Hebrews 12, will be. But that which remains, right, of a kingdom people, I, I want to, full orb divine nature installed inside of you. Now, I believe this is the Father's great passion. Our Father in delight longs for us to have the very nature of Jesus put in us. I believe it's his great desire, and he sends forth the Holy Spirit to the spirit of truth to come and even confront us and to draw us to him, woo us to himself, to give us the very, to give us himself. 
Again, without imposition and without manipulation, but that we would have his whole entire life radiating through us. And he says to us these really simple things like, put aside the sin that does so easily beset you and run a race. Run a race and uh, trust me, take away these in training agents and throw them to the curb because they'll never really give you what I can give you when I'll give you myself in replacement for those things. I'll give you me. <laughs> it's the best trade-off there's ever been. You give me this piddly nonsense, go throw it on the refuse fire and I'll give you my own life. I'll give you a life, one eternal. You know, and um, a beautiful life. And so in the restoration of David's fallen booth is, now get this, it's not just a Christology installed in the human. Well, Carol, that's like the greatest thing I've ever heard. Well, it is, it is, it's phenomenal. And, and you know, this is God's design. But I also want a Christocracy. That's <laughs> I want a family that's ruling and governing, governing with me in the earth, uh, with my nature. And so, um, so just a little bit of uh, my notes, and I won't keep you on time, but this was my briefing this morning. That was my, um, I've laid my foundation now. I can get started with my sermon. just like you can't, I mean, I even, there's so much I could say here. And and we're familiar with this. Um, Let's look at Revelation chapter 12. And let's look at uh, verse 11. You've heard this, I'm sure you've heard this preached many times. But I'm going to share this and then And we're going to build out of just one other thing because I need to do this because the Holy Spirit is reminding me right now. Set this up like this on, okay, Lord. I'll set it up like you tell me because you're the great teacher. So we're going to set it up like this. We're We're going to set it up out of Revelation 15. We're going to look at verse 5. I just love the whole Bible. I just, every time I look at it, I just want to read everything it has to say. You know, it's just like, oh, that's good. Okay, that's good. Let's just go over there. We'll just go over here. This happens all the time. But verse five was imprinted onto me right before the worship happened this morning. This was what was imprinted onto me before the daybreak message came out. Revelation 15, verse five. I don't think I've ever read this verse or I just flew right past it. It was just like, I want you to see this, son. And he's reminding me again, bring this one up. After these things, I looked and the temple, the tent of the testimony was opened in heaven. I looked up the, um, I looked up the etymology of the, of the language of this. And this is really, I thought this was very fascinating to me, but it, it says that after these things, after the things concerning the signs in the heavens and the plagues that are coming forth and the the, uh, scene of the sea of glass, I look after these things and I see the temple or tent of the testimony open up. You could say the the law of the covenant. Uh, I found it very interesting that in the 
in the Greek, that the word there that's used, the word there is a palace. So after, after these things, John, had, the revelator, had begun to see, he looks, he looks and he sees a palace that is holding the covenant of God. And I had this sense this morning from the Lord before the event even began. This is, and sometimes I don't get to do this, so I'm really glad I do this morning. Thank you for being patient with me. But I get to, in some way, bring an explanation to our experience. That, because a lot of times I go home and I'm like, sit before the Lord, and he said, you see that, you see that? I was like, oh man, I wish I could do a debrief on this because this is amazing. Uh, John taking up in the visions of the Lord, beholding, beholding the sea of glass, beholding the song of the Lord. And after this, he looks up and he sees into the palace, he sees the testimony. This testimony is this place here that he is beholding, this testimony, I believe um, in the Greek, I'm, I may get the ending wrong on this, but I I haven't been in Greek in a while. I mean, from seminary. Yeah. Um, Martirio. Uh, The testimony is martirio. You know this word, martyr? When he looked up into the palace, he beheld one that we find in Revelation 1 that says, those who read this book, hey, you're blessed you read this book. But when John begins to describe him, he calls him the faithful um, martyr. He says, he's the faithful witness unto death. He's the faithful one to the death. This here is what the Holy Spirit uh, impressed upon me today that I was to um, bring forth concerning what we were going through last week with the number 318 the 318 company that was raised up in Abraham's house. Three being the one who interacts with the Trinity prophetically. One being the one, Psalms 21, 27, four, that beholds one thing that dwells in his temple. And eight, the place of new beginnings. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. A prophet, priest, judge, king, or queen. That the Lord is raising up in this hour, let's say, a 318 company of people who are integrated with the triune Godhead and relate to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by, let's say, the uh, parakoresis, the dance. The life of the dance of the life of God relating to him receiving from him in relation with him in partnership with him or even clothed in the Lord or himself, you know, working through us. With one focus, one idea to be before him, the one thing, the one thing to give ourselves to, to him. And then out of that comes this expansive new beginnings. Listen, uh, listen, family. The Lord so made it that way that your expansion of your new beginning, your number eight there that's a part of that farmer, king, queen function is not meant to happen apart from the triune Godhead integrated in relationship with him with a one thing mindset towards him. Everything, all light and expression of light, all 
to bring the sieve and clean it out was to bring through this 318. In partnership prophetically with the triune Godhead, one thing, I'm, to behold your beauty, to be in your house, to be, to, to be before you, num- number eight, everything is made new. Everything's new, brand new. So the Lord made us like a 318. Um, to use those numbers. Those numbers together equate to the number 12. That's government. That is, that would be the restoration of David's fallen booth. That would be a Christology, a divine nature of God installed into a Christocracy, a people of God that are letting the Lord rule their life and are advancing the kingdom of God. So, so, but here, here, we, here to this is Revelation 15, I beheld it and I looked into the palace. And not many people love to do that. It's like, remember when the queen allowed the cameras to come in and see the inside of the house years ago? I don't know if you've seen some of those documentaries, but it was hidden. Uh, other uh, common folk could not look into the palace. Now, John was given this kind of privilege, and we are being given one ourselves today. If you could think of this like this, the Lord is opening up his palace of the covenant to open to us, his sons and daughters, the aspect of creation and the way that we were made into, so that we could examine this together and see that if we agree. But we're, um, that's what is happening in the worship this morning. Uh, the Lord opening up the palace. What, what, why is he doing this? I believe this, number one, there's a company of you that are already tasting this, that you're are learning this truth. And I'm going to lay these out. Let's go back now to Revelation 12. And here it is. Revelation 12, 11, they're the overcomers. Uh, you. And you have learned to overcome by the means of one thing. This is it. The blood of the lamb. What you tasted before the Lord came in with us this morning, that feeling is the feeling of death. It's not death, but the Lord, I believe, wanted us to experience a feeling of vacancy. That is that feeling of death. Before the worship, that, oh, that's that feeling that the Lord is wanting to extract to give victory over Corinthians 15, that the victory will be over death. He's allowing us to experience that, that we will overcome it. That we would overcome it by the blood of the lamb. The tender lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so when we're going through this, the palace is being opened up. The Lord's telling me this up here. I'm opening the palace for the covenant to come forth so that I can express my life to this people now overcome. Don't come in an environment, and you're not these kind of people, but you can't come in this environment. It'll run you right out of the room. If you just come in here for easy peasy Christianity, it's not going to work. There's going to be an overcoming transformation that's going to happen with you in here. Welcome to the training ground. Overcoming death by the what? The blood of the lamb. That vacancy sets up that tough place during the week, whatever it is, it comes in on you. There's no way we're gonna make it. I don't know what we're gonna do. How am I doing it? It's going to end our life that we have. The life that we have is going to be like, uh, it's gonna fall apart. Everything's gonna fall apart. I don't know how, 
you know, anybody else deal with neurosis? <laughs> How are we going to make it? I don't know. We're outside. We've done, we've went too far out on the edge. <laughs> we've pushed out <laughs> and there's no way to support it. And death tries to crowd in. And the Lord said, I want that blood to flow. Like through you, um, relating with me, trying Godhead with uh, one thing. I'm okay, everything's falling apart. I don't care. I'm just looking at the one. I'm gazing at him because I know a new beginning's coming. I know because I'm a part of a 318 company that's the government of God. I know who I am and I know we're coming through. This thing's coming through. Why? Because the blood of the lamb has purchased it at Calvary. And that blood speaks a better word than the blood of even righteous Abel. That there's no man, there's no man that righteous is the one who is the Lord. And I'm setting my confidence on him. The blood of the lamb is how I'm overcoming I mean, I'm shocked we have this many people in this room. Because <laughs> the Lord sets up these events with, uh, you know, they're not easy sometimes. It's like, okay, training profile, X2M, number 150. Let's withdraw our presence for the first 15 minutes, see how they do. <laughs> see if they can overcome that, you know. And let's give them a bunch of problems during the week and this person didn't like them and this person said that and this thing happened and uh, this fell apart and this, and they're going to come in, they're going to trust me and where you at, where you at, where you at? I feel, don't feel good, don't feel good. Where you at, where you at? I just need that loving feeling, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't, I'm not making it like, yes, you're little children. Yes, yes, but I causing you to become an overcomer. I'm training you. To put your whole entire self into me, I'm processing out that old nature and giving you my very own life in these experiences with me. You're not losing anything here. You're gaining Christ every time. And you practice this during the week, you will during the week as well. This is just, this is just one event. Have you 50 during the week? <laughs> if you, I mean, if you could take it. Bring death again and see what I got going. I'm going to show Bam, I got my Starcaster blaster and my Star Cluster planter. <laughs> Watch it now. All right, let's do this. Let's, you know, I like this. I'm military, so we did a lot of, of this. But let's do this with your notes. If you take them, we'll make it S3A1F8. It's going to mess up everything for those in Starchild M. But let's just do this. S3, by the utterance of their testimony. Because we're talking about a soldier, athlete, farmer, a 318, okay? Soldier, three. Athlete, one. Farmer, eight. Okay, so we have a 318, a soldier, athlete, farmer. These are offices of Christ. So what, is, what does he say here? This is how they overcame, by the blood of the lamb. This is presumptive to everything of all overcoming that we have been called into. Listen, hear, hear this. The Lord fed them manna in the wilderness, but he told them they had to go take the land. 
You have to understand, the Lord will nurse you along for some time, but then he'll tell you, hey, you go, uh, go do it. Kill those Amalekites. You know what I mean? Go get them. Don't sit there and wait on me. I've already given you the word of the Lord. Move out. You know, uh, take the hill. Do what I tell you to. Whatever you find out in the one, the number three experience, whatever he says, do it. Let your faith have, let your faith have action mixed with it, right, James? It's not just mental assent, but the utterance of their testimony. Um, it says in Hebrews 1 that he upholds the, the world by the power of his word. S3, utterance of your testimony. As a soldier, and number three here, this utterance, though, has to come out of relating with him. Homologeo means to say the same thing. That's what you'll see demonstrated here. Uh, that's what we're to demonstrate in leadership is we wait on the Lord to get the word of the Lord, then we prophesy the word of the Lord. We don't prophesy what we want to say or what makes people happy or makes them sad or mad or whatever. We say whatever the Lord says. Because the utterance of the testimony here has to be the testimony that speaks of whatever he's saying. And let me say, it's not just random words, or I also want to say this, it's not just quoting scripture or just random scriptures. It's the word of the Lord in your mouth. I mean, it wouldn't do me any good to get up here and preach out of I don't know, Habakkuk chapter two, verse four, if the Lord wasn't telling me to do that, do you understand what I mean? It doesn't do you any good to just go pick some random verse that you memorized if you did and just start quoting it. This utterance needs to be homologeo. It needs to come from what he is saying in the moment because that is reality. It's not just praying a bunch of random scripture. And, and, you know, there's a place for that, but that's not, and I'm not like opposed to it, but I, I don't believe that's the kind of training that I'm talking about here. This is a declaration that's coming from a relationship with Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit saying what he is saying. His life flowing through you. So this is our utterance, this is our S3, a soldiering Number three, out of relationship with the triune, God had the utterance of what he is uh, saying. A1, they did not love and cling to life. Doing some things now, I've getting experience some unbelievers, <laughs> a lot of unbelievers, even some real heathen. I mean, some vile people. And I've, it's interesting listening to them and what they talk about and how that they love, their, love life in their own way. You know, it's, it's, most of it is absolutely absurd perversion. But they have their version of what life is, what a good life would be, and is not a good life. You know, I'm, I'm listening, I was like, one of them told me the other night, he's like, don't you think that's okay? And he's talking about being in your old age, and anyways, I don't even want to say it publicly. It just wasn't good. It was perverted. And he said, what do you say about that? I said, maintain your fidelity, man. <laughs> and he just walked off. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, he's as lost as he could be, you know. And I was like, he wanted to know what I had to say, you know. I said, well, that's what I said. I have to say. 
That's infidel. That's infidelity. <laughs> it's just you're an infidel. Anyways, I didn't say that. It's just <laughs> love our life. There's so much in this where we're coddling ourselves, uh, uh, looking for our own comfort and pleasure, seeking our own desire, our own longing, the thing that is just grossly satiating ourselves on ourselves. It says they did not love their life like that. They did not engage in that. What do we do, Carol? We love the Lord we, and we give of our lives. We serve. We're looking for opportunities to go out of the way. Now, does the Lord mind you having a good life and enjoying things for yourself? No, he doesn't. Let me just say that. I, I believe that he very much wants you to enjoy your life. It's not this over trying to gratify the flesh and my own desire that brings just hopelessness. Do you know life coaches have massive suicide rate? They're out teaching everybody how to have the best life and they're absolutely miserable without Jesus. Those who don't have the Lord, it's miserable. Comfort and pleasure sits in the back of every human being trying to find the comfort thing and the pleasure thing. I believe the Lord called us in the looking at him in, as we look and hold him in that place. He called us to challenge. I don't think he called us to just be on our laurels. I'm not saying that you can't rest. It's all born out of rest. But I believe he's called us forward not to love our life in a wrong way. And I'm sure someone will do a great job on that and extrapolate that. But just think about that. When I'm gazing on him, you know, David said this, and I, and I love this. It's in uh, Psalm 17. He said this at the very end. He says, he said, all these other people are doing life the way they want to, basically. But he says, as for me, I will continue beholding your face in righteousness. I will be fully satisfied when I wake beholding your form. Others are trying to do all these other things. And, and he says, they're filling their bellies. They're trying to leave an inheritance to their children. You know, things are fine, but he says, as for me. And he sort of sets himself in differentiation to other people and the way they live their life. He says, I want to behold you. I want to kind of like make my modus operandi the beholding of the Lord. This is what it means in A1. An athlete slash priest judge. That one thing, not to love or cling to life. And then F8, even if you're faced with death. I mean, even if, I love this character. I love the character of, of this. I, I really like prize this. Uh, that someone that, and this is what you're experiencing today, someone that sees the day breaking in the midst of everything else is telling you that it won't happen. This to me is the nature of a farmer. It's the nature of true royalty too. Royalty like takes courage in the face of risk and all odds set against them and says, in the middle, whether, whether I die or everything just falls apart on me, I'm still maintaining my integrity and in what I had learned in that one place, that one place before the Lord. I believe deep down inside, 
yeah, but hey, this thing's not come out. What about that new beginning? Even in the face of death, even in it looks like all the odds are stacked against you, that you're believing that the day will break because a new beginning will come. Let's stand together. You're, you're living now like this thing. You see, I'm living in a reality that the day is broke for me. That's my reality. Because I've been in the one thing, I've been before him, I've related with him and been declaring what he is saying. I'm living in the one thing of his very own presence in life and I know that the day is breaking. Yeah, but hey, everything's not saying that to you in the natural, oh, but it will. (laughs) This day will break. Eventually, the the flood's gonna open up and everything's gonna come in. Because I believe my God, And I believe that we'll do mighty exploits. It's the nature of royalty to be that way. It it really is. It's not the picture we've really had sometimes of royalty, but real royalty like sees and receives the word, believes the word and stands on it and says, I trust, I trust what I learned in the secret place. I was with him and I beheld his form and I've been transformed by him. I've become a partaker of his very own divine nature and I'm stepping out into something because the day has to break for me and my family. And I believe it will. And oh Lord, man, he loves that. The Lord's not gonna leave you hanging. You put out all the stops on the Lord and the Lord will meet you every single time. I have a testimony, a testifier to that reality for my family as well. I have watched time and time again the faithfulness of the Lord. I've known what it feels like to get the word of the Lord, to be in relationship with the Trinity, to come in and behold his presence and get right to the edge and be like, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. And I know what it feels like to draw back thinking death is going to be the result. Meaning that the life that we have, we won't be able to go on living that good life that he's given us. I know what that feels like. But I know what happened in here today. And I know that you are a company of people that are being integrated with a whole 318 mindset into yourselves. So that you can hear what I'm saying from the Lord today that the day is breaking of a brand new beginning for your life and that you would be a people that says, come hell or high water. (laughs) All the flood's not gonna drown this fire that's burning hot in my chest. Nothing's going to stop what the Lord has said to me. I found him to be true and I found him to be faithful. Now I found him faithful once there and I know he'll be faithful to me again because his faithfulness is never ending. And I'm going to step out and trust him. Yeah. And I'm shaking all over, yeah, the Lord, yeah, yeah. Courage isn't the absence of fear. <laughs> you might feel afraid. Okay, well, don't beat yourself up for feeling some fear sometimes, but just to trust the word of the Lord in your life. What is the word of the Lord? Go into the secret place this week in the rest of your life and go and behold the very beauty in the form of the Lord. Go be with him and let him give you the information the understanding that he wants for you. I can't do that for you. I don't know, I'm not the Holy Spirit, he knows, but he has something really magnificent for you. 
Let me tell you this too. If you think you know what that is before he tells you, you don't know what it is. No eye has seen and no ear has heard. Neither has it entered into your heart the things God has prepared for you. When you're according to his purpose, when you're following him, he has something for you. You're not going to know it in advance. You find it out when you're with him. And then he says, I got this for you. You're like, oh, that's amazing. I'm really excited about this. He said, do you believe that I am? Yes, Lord. You believe I'm a rewarder? I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. All right, you 318 company. Let's come for communion. And as is our practice here, if you're new with us, we'll take communion together as a family. Oh yeah, thank you. Had it not been for mercy. Sorry. Kindness you have Thank you. shown. Repentance is flowing, none like I've known. In the debt that I owe to you, would cost my soul. Thank you. You pay everything for me. What? 
because it's really significant. Uh, Charles Dillon had had an experience this morning where like a vortex sort of portal opens up right here. Um, and Charles, you said it was, you said it was right before it called everybody up. Okay, <clears throat> to agree with the, the day breaking in that we would make an agreement together. He's, he began to see this and uh, Charles, Charles has been, you know, extremely accurate with his visions and what he has seen and so I put a lot of confidence in that the Lord is speaking through him and um, he went up to Tom at Madison and spoke to him about it and then uh, Tom believes that the Revelation 15 5 word uh, that was given right at the very beginning is very significant uh, for this for us corporately in this sense that this uh, this palace has been opened up the portal was like the sign uh, to Charles. This palace has been opened up to us uh, corporately to look into uh, the place of the testimony. And that could be familiar to you about the uh, the Holy of Holies, maybe, or uh, the Ark of God's Covenant, uh, the very covenant of God being put on display. And then, um, <clears throat> just Jeff, I know your name. <laughs> We just, I'm one, yeah, so Jeff Manning comes up and he says he has his experience where 
He sees like the form of the Lord. And he comes under this realization. And uh, you could talk to them afterwards, but because I'm not going to say exactly the way, but the way I took what he said, he sees the form of the Lord. And he knows that from this experience that he can be glorified without dying. Um, and this is very important to this house because it's very much the path we're on, the, you know, the pioneer for glorification, for the restoration of all things, for the inbreaking of the Lord. Acts 3.21, that Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. But he has a experience with the Lord in this way where this becomes a part of um, his knowing deeply within his own self that he doesn't have to die. Isn't it interesting that this is called the, this palace, where this testimony is, is called the martyrion or the martyr. So a, and I want us to take this like corporately as a company and like explore what the Lord is doing in our midst. And we want to take today as lightly that the Lord is opening up something beautiful to us of himself. Where death is overcome. The sting is completely removed for all eternity. It's going to be gone, Dad. Steve, Melinda, all of you beautiful people, it's going to be gone forever. No more sting, no more vacancy, no more, I don't know how we're going to make it. No more, it's, it's gone. Because of the one, because of what he's done. It's going to be over and all you sons and daughters of the Lord glorified. You, the overcomers, you, the beautiful 318 company, you and all of our brothers and sisters all over the earth that call him and have made him their very own one. This is coming. This is our reality, and it's being opened up to us. You know, we got up, and I said, you know, seven heavens, and maybe I messed that up or whatever. Seven aspects, seven firmaments. You know, Paul only spoke of three heavens in, in Scripture, and that's the only place you can find that. But whatever it is, is we're ascending up into him, and the revelation of the man is being restored to our consciousness, just like what Jeff is experiencing and I pray that our whole community will experience the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of who he really is, the revelation of, of the Son uh, to our very own conscious frame. And then the belief system is installed in us because we trust him, that his testimony is faithful and true, that he's the faithful one, he's the true one. We can put all of our confidence in him as he is completely reintegrating and restoring our very own life. I believe that's why he gave us this, really. He wanted us, he's like, there's a generation that's not gonna see death. There's a generation that's not gonna see death. There's a generation of overcomers in the end time. They're not gonna see death. Death's gonna be swallowed up in victory. And I believe the Lord knew it at Passover and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I do this in remembrance of me.
this is the blood of the newness, the newness, the newness, the newness. This is the blood of the new. It's all new. Everything's new. Behold, I'm making all things new. This is a new covenant I give to you. This is the blood of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I do this in remembrance of me. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord set his peace upon you and inscribe his name into your forehead. Amen. the night. 